Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts, Episode 152 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Here I'm Chuck and Coomsey. Radio. Radio. Uh, I am, this is totally an, like not related to the podcast at all, but us saying radio that way. My TikTok algorithm keeps sending me this parrot that speaks really good English. And he says, rock. And I basically just wander around my house now. I ha- It's been stuck in my head for like a week, dude. I just wander around my house going, rock, rock. Yeah. I have a very similar thing going on. I came across this one account on my TikTok feed that's this guy who has three different kinds of root beers. He'll have like Barks, Mug, and A&W. And he'll have them kind of like fighting against each other. And he's just like, root beer! Root beer! And it's honestly like one of the funniest things. He he does this for like 45 seconds and then stopped making noise and started opening a pack of Pokemon cards. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching? But it's so funny. The internet's a wild place. Speaking of TikTok, we're on TikTok now. We're also slowly getting a YouTube channel ready. So we're we're converting, we're pivoting to video to go along with the podcast. Podcast isn't going anywhere. We're just also adding video elements to all of this. So if your TikTok algorithms are messed up, just go to the Blue Jays Nation, hit follow, and it'll be at least baseball content. Yeah, and you can see Brett Holden just shouting, Root beer! Brett Holden is our, is our boy. We're making him, for those of you who also follow us on this nation, he's our Waz. That's our goal. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little Blue Jays baseball. How many times this year did we have series where they would like win the first two and then shit the bed in the third game and we have to come do the podcast being like, we're pissed about game three, but the rest of the series actually went well. This one against the Twins was actually the reverse of that. The first two games left you wildly pissed off for a handful of reasons. We will get into them. But the third game was a good one. So I'm doing it different. Usually when they lose a series, we start with the down. But I want to start with the ups because that third game was a lot of fun. And the first up goes to the guy who won them that game. And it is Kevin Biggio, a guy who has really struggled. I see Jays fans on Twitter, on whatever, constantly pissed off that he is still on the roster and still a part of this team. And I get it. It's frustrating. He was coming up in the same conversation as Bo and Vlad, and he was supposed to be the third piece of this three-headed monster of the next wave of the, this Jays young core. He's having a bad year, batting 186. He's never really had great moments as a Blue Jay, but that was still a big, big hit. 
a huge moment and it won them a pivotal baseball game. If you were to look back, so of course everyone knows by now they lost the first two games and those were games where you're coming into it. It's Yusei Kikuchi's spot. There's your number five. He's been playing bad recently. And the next spot's the Manoa spot, which is being filled with the bullpen day. So you're kind of like, oh, these are tough games to win and the Jays pissed them away. So that's infuriating. And then you come into the third game with Kevin Gosman pitching and he's been tasked so many times in his year and a half with the Jays to, you know, he has to come out and put together a huge start because the bullpen's tired. The guy before him had a rough go and we all look at it and we're like, yeah, Kevin Gosman's coming up all good. And he goes and allows four runs in the first inning. It looks like it's going to be a total meltdown. It's just you throw your hands up in the air. They're going to be swept by the Minnesota Twins. After taking three yeah. or four from the Astros and feeling yeah. good. After the, everything looked like it was so good. Like our last podcast, Brandon and I we were so positive and then it looks like they're about to get swept and if, if there was any player you would have predicted to come through, it, it, it wasn't Cabin Biggio. You might yeah. think, be like, oh yeah, maybe Vladdy will finally hit his big home run at Rogers Center. It hasn't happened yet this year. Bo Bichette's been on fire. Maybe he'll do it. You know, maybe somebody else at the bottom of the order. Whit Merrifield's had a big season. Brandon yeah. Belt's heating up. And out of the blue, inexplicably, it's Cabin Biggio launching a three-run home run, something nobody expected. And that's nice to see for him because everyone, everyone, I mean, save for like his small little collection of like Biggio stands, so many people have been talking about like, just get this guy off my roster. Don't play him off the 40 man. Somebody else, anybody else. I'd, you know, you see people saying they'd rather watch like an Ernie Clement from AAA or whoever the shiny new toy is. And good for BGO for having that big moment. Cause like you said, hasn't really had many. And again, hit that dinger, but the inning before that made a huge defensive play at first base. And I saw someone was like, oh, he's the perfect bench player. And I, I push back on that because he's not. He does not hit particularly well, but he does play a lot of positions for you. He can be versatile. He's not like, get. I'm not one of the get him off the 40 man kind of people. I'm also not sitting here telling you he's the best bench player ever. No matter how you feel about Kevin Biggio, though, how could you not smile watching that? Like just on a human element. I know we sit here and we bitch about the, these guys. We talk about them like they're robots. Um, but on a human level, to see him back in the dugout smiling with his teammates, I mean, Kiermaier had a big embrace. It was cool to see him have a moment like that. Yeah. And you know, the guy has like massive shoes to follow. Yeah. Like all three of those guys do. Like we talk about the pressure that like Bo and Vladdy have. I think it's really hard on Vladdy because you can kind of see it. He seems to squeeze his bat a little bit harder when he's at home. He wants to have those huge moments. BGO is yeah. the same. And I mean, things have gone in their career largely quite well for Bo and Vlad, even if they haven't necessarily hit some people's expectations. Sometimes they do, sometimes yeah. they don't. Different story. But BGO, like you said, is the third guy in that little trio of like, those um, second generation star type guys. And he got kind of mixed in with them and it just hasn't really happened. And I think he deserves a bit more respect as like a, like a decent major league baseball player. The way people talk about him is like the only reason this guy's even here is because of his last name. Like there's no way he should be anywhere near a major league baseball roster. I don't think that's accurate. I think he's a perfectly fine big league player in his last 15 games. He's batting 294. There you go. Three dingers. That's the kind of production this team needs to start getting from the bottom part of their order, from their depth pieces. Biggio 100% included in that, but like you need depth pieces who like Biggio can come through with hot streaks, hit you a handful of home runs, just not be black holes. And they've had too many black holes. So hopefully this is a bit of a turning point for the bottom part of this order is Biggio in the nine spot. It's a massive three run bomb. Takes them from down six forward up seven six. But I want to dissect this comeback a little bit more because it really was one of the 
more entertaining wins of the season from the perspective of you're down 6-1. Matt Chapman had a big home run, but I want to zero in on what we saw from the relievers in this one. Thomas Hatch comes into that ball game. We looked like it was just going to be mop-up duty. It's like, okay, you're down 6-1. Throw Thomas Hatch in there. But he goes an inning and a third, allows three base runners, but doesn't give up a run, strikes out three batters as well. And if he would have came in and gotten torched, they lose that ball game. Thomas Hatch pitched well. He gets a shout out. Nate Pearson gets the win, goes two more innings, allows one hit, strikes out three. Is He had a couple of bad pitches where he like lost the zone. One went to the backstop or whatever, but then he just dialed it in. Not only was he touching triple digits, but then he had that nasty slider going. Yeah, and he you could tell the way Jordan Romano was pitching. Is it it seemed at first like he didn't really have it. Like when he was coming in, yeah. it was like, ooh, the velocity looks like it's down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the command's not there. Like this is bad. And he really locked it in. It was like that would have been devastating to blow that save. For oh, the yeah, Jays to wind up. Yeah. yeah, for the Jays to wind up getting swept after pulling off that comeback, like losing the game would have been that could have been like the kind of knife in the middle of your season that's very hard to come back from. And Romano bared down and got it done. It's it's funny you talk about Thomas Hatch because before the game, he was kind of like the big story. They made that roster move where Bowden Francis goes down to AAA. He pitched quite well in the bullpen day. So people were like, what's this all about? Like, mm-hmm. he's down now. He can't come up for a couple of weeks. Like, what's the plan? Why is Thomas Hatch coming up? He hasn't pitched a, he's like, hasn't pitched a good inning for the Jays since like 2020. He's getting lit up in AAA. What's going on? You know, Kevin Gosman starting. Do you really need a mop up guy right behind that? And then lo and behold, you have a fresh arm here who gives you four outs. And then after that, Nate Pearson comes and it's two innings, three strikeouts, zero and runs. His ERA is all the way down to 2.05. He looked unhittable. He was completely in command. It was, we've talked a million times, Andrew Miller in the middle innings, filling up those, you know, those innings before your closer, whether they come in the fifth or the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, whatever. Every out is important. Every out matters. And Pearson now is just, just dominating. And I mean, it's, it's fantastic to see because this is, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of fans, um, had him completely written off. And, I think the coaching staff is starting to kind of take the shackles off him a little bit. I know that's maybe a weird way to put it, but he pitched a ton in game one, got up to 30 pitches, I believe. Right. And usually so far since he's come back up, um, when he pitches that many innings, they've always given him two or three days off. They gave him one day's rest, came back and let him go two innings again. So I think that's a sign that the coaching staff and the management team there is really starting to understand what they have in Nate Pearson and are recognizing that, this isn't just a dude on a heater. Maybe we don't need to handle him with the kid gloves anymore. We can roll this guy out every two or three games and get quality from him. And they need that too, because right now the starting rotation is not yep. firing on all cylinders. Obviously it's been over a month. I think since you say Kikuchi pitched more than five innings in a start, you of course now have Alec Manoa down in Dunedin figuring things out. They're slamming the reset button. And that's just a bullpen day because they don't have a sixth guy who can go five, six innings. So you need Nate Pearson to do that. You need him to be sort of stretched out and pitch a few innings here and there. And it's, you know, over the next month here when Manoa's down in Dunedin, they're going to lean hard on Nate Pearson to pitch a lot of big innings. And he's got a great chance right in front of him. The way he's pitched now, like, should feel good about that. Is there any part of you that's tempted to give him a start? No, I, I, no, I'm I've, with you. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen instances where the Jays have really tried to turn someone who's kind of like an in-betweener. He's doing well as a reliever and they're like, let's stretch this guy out and make him a starter. I remember Joe Biagini a few years ago. They grabbed him in the rule five draft. He has that huge season as their eighth inning guy in 2016 when they make the playoffs. And it's like, wow, that's found money. We found ourselves like a good late inning reliever here. And then they tried to make him a starter for the next two years and it was just a mess. Very different pitchers, very different people. It's, 
not that simple, but I don't know. I think we found a role where Nate Pearson thrives. He can probably pitch like 80, 90 innings in this role. Just, just let him in it. We've, we've talked about that Andrew Miller thing a million times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so important to have this. So Nate Pearson slash Jordan Romano get our second up there. Uh, Jordan Romano just want to say he struggled for a bit there. There was that run where he got lit up in a few games, but he's now finished off eight consecutive save opportunities for the Blue Jays and only allowed one earned run in that span as well. I mean, forget that he's only allowed like five or six hits in that span as well. He's been absolutely lights out. So uh, Jordan Romano seems to have found his groove a little bit as well. Uh, our third up for this series against the Twins were again, you only won one game. The the bullpen day, you would have looked at that and said, they're probably losing this baseball game. Or you could have seen how they were going to lose that baseball game. I didn't see it happening that way, where Trevor Richards comes in, is absolutely nailed, strikes out seven, doesn't allow an earned run. And then Bowden Francis comes in, gives you almost three innings as well, only allows one earned run. And then it's the later pieces of the bullpen that really fall apart. But that doesn't mean... You know, we shouldn't give Richards and Francis their love. Trevor Richards has been awesome over the last bit. And it was very encouraging to see Bowden Francis come up and pitch like that. It was. It was um, the interesting thing about this um, Trevor Richards, Bowden Francis combination is that's the return from the Rowdy Telez trade. Mm -hmm. Everybody remembers it being Telez for Richards, but Francis was the other throw when they got there. So the Jays got two arms for Rowdy Telez and Trevor Richards goes three innings, allows just one hit and one walk and strikes out seven guys. Now his ERA is all the way down to 330. It doesn't sound like all the way down, but bear in mind, he had some rough starts earlier in the year. And many people, again, were like, DFA, 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 like open up a spot. This guy sucks, but no, he doesn't. He's a very good strikeout pitcher. He can pitch multiple innings, um, proven to be incredibly valuable for the bullpen. Bowden Francis comes up just recently added to the 40 man roster, a difficult spot to be thrown into too, right? Like, you know, this there's, there's a lot of pressure for the Jays to find a way to fill this Alec Manoa spot because they had banked on that being like, that's a workhorse day where we're going to get six, seven innings out of our starter every time. And now all of a sudden that's gone. So Bowden Francis, you don't have much, you have very little MLB experience, only made like one or two appearances with the team last year. And he comes and does two and two thirds innings, only allows two hits, only allows the one earned run, strikes out three guys, you know, the one earned run. Came. Does it in like 31 pitches too? Like yeah. he was working and, and like flying through those batters. He was fast. He was ripping through. He looked confident. Uh, didn't look nervous. Um, that's what you like to see. I mean, we did touch on this before. He got sent down after the start, which is more of just a reality of the circumstance. The Jays just needed a fresh arm, but he definitely pitched well enough in this outing to remain an option moving forward for these days where they need like a bulk guy. Yep. And they might need another thing. <laughs> it's coming up, right? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but anyways, that part of the game went very well. And you were like, holy shit, the Jays are going to steal this ball game again. A game where you were like, I would not be surprised. I'm a guy who bets on this baseball team a lot. I stayed totally away from it. I said, I'm not touching it. I can see them losing this game. They get through that. And I go, damn it, would have been a good bet because I would have gotten good odds on it. Uh, but then they just fall apart. And it comes when Adam Simber comes into the game. He gets you one out and allows six earned runs. That looked bad. He's having a very bad season. And it's a shame that he's getting to the point where you may need to go to the Anthony Bass route. It may be time to just cut ties with this guy. It sucks because you don't have a lot of arms. You don't have a lot of options, but like I would trust Bowden Francis more than this guy right now. So that says a lot. Yeah. It feels like there's names in AAA you trust more. Like I feel like I'd rather have seen Jay Jackson pitching in that situation. And he's down in Buffalo pitching for the Bisons. Adam Simber was a great Blue Jay for a period of time. He was 
getting him in 2021 was a game changer when they're both exactly. in Yeah, it was Tyler Chatwood, Raphael Dolis, Joel Pamps in the late innings. And, you know, getting uh, Simber and getting Richards at that time was huge. Uh, Simber was good last year, too. But, you know, he's a pitch to contact reliever. And you sort of realize how difficult it can be to use such relievers especially when you wind up in a situation like you know the first game they had to use them in extra innings because there was just nobody else they'd had to use so many relievers Kikuchi only went five Pearson pitched the two innings and then of course the following day you have Richards opening up so he's not available and then you just have to use Simber in those spots because there simply is nobody else and I mean we can sit here and blame Simber all we want and say that he's a bad reliever, shouldn't be on the team, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, at the end of the day, the real challenge here for the Jays is the fact that back to back, they have a fifth starter who can't go more than five innings and then a bullpen day. So you're going to probably lose Pearson piggybacking Kikuchi. You're going to then lose Richards, another strikeout arm for the 10th inning, having to start the next game. So that's where this shittiness comes in. Like you can have, Francis and Richards putting together a really good like spot start bullpen game thing. But where does that leave you the day after and the day before? And these are the things the Jays need to sort out. So you don't have Adam Simber pitching your 10th inning with a runner on second. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking back through the numbers when Simber first got here, man, that first season after they acquired him, he pitched 37 and a third had a 1.69 ERA. Even last year over seven, just over 70 innings, 2.8 ERA. Like he gave, this isn't me just trying to absolutely shit on the no. guy because he gave them some really solid seasons or a really solid season and a half. But right now in the moment, it looks like he's lost it. And it's not uncommon, man. How often do we talk about relief pitching is voodoo? Guys, not just in Toronto, in every market around the yep. league, go from electric to unpitchable, getting DFA'd. Think about uh, who was the one in Detroit last year we wanted. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Oh, um, um, he... Yep, I know who you're talking. About. He was DFA'd by Miami like 14 months before that, and I was like, "Oh, he's the best pitcher, best reliever in the majors." And like, the, the guy in Baltimore, the um, the Felix Bautista. Yeah, he's one of those like uh, just comes mm-hmm. from nowhere, and all of a sudden is so good. That's just relievers. And as you. fast as they get to that point, it's as fast as they will absolutely fall off a cliff. So again, it's unfortunate with Simber because he was fun to watch. Got the cool release. He does the little hopping around thing. Remember when Vladdy that game in Philly was yep. like kind of doing it too? Fun to watch. I just think it's come time. There are pieces you need. You should be trusting more than Adam Simber yeah. right now. He hasn't looked the same this mm-hmm. year at all. And I don't know like if there's something lingering. It's it's just he's not the same pitcher this year than he has been in the past. This is still in our first down, but uh, Mitch White is not one of those guys we trust more, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, is this is this its own down or is this kind of the same? Thing? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. This is this can be its own down. Um, we all know what happened with the Anthony Bass situation, and as a result of <laughs> no, I happen to be off for that show. What a lucky break for me. Yeah, let's walk through the whole thing again. <laughs> no, so yeah, we talked about this on the last show too. It was uh, Mitch White still had plenty of time left on his rehab assignment down in Buffalo because he started the first one. They pulled him back because of fatigue and reset his 30-day clock. So he had pretty much until almost the end of June, at least two weeks left on that. And they re-added him to the 40 off of the 60-day injured list and brought him to the uh, active roster. In his first outing, um, this is going to be since last season, he goes one and two-thirds innings, allows two earned runs, strikes out four, allows a home run. Not terrible, but I mean... I don't know. They'd already decided that Mitch White wasn't going to be stretched out to be a starter this year. So we're looking at like the very high upside of him being like a two, three inning reliever. Like the best case scenario is pretty much for him to wind up being what Trevor Richards is right now. Mm -hmm. 
And that's not massive upside given what they paid for Mitch White. Uh, I don't know. This is a weird situation. They paid a lot. The prospect they gave the Dodgers in return, Nick Brasso, is killing it in double A. So that sucks to see. But at the end of the day, like if, if this is like a sunk cost, you can't just keep him on the roster forever because he's, um, because of what you traded for him, right? Like if Mitch White can't be option to triple A, if, if he's not good enough to be on the 26 man roster, then you kind of have to cut ties. I'm not saying we're there just yet. It's only been one outing, but yeah. far from encouraging. Yeah, that is a uh, that is a tough one. It was kind of one of those eyebrow raisers when you saw the deal go down because it was like, oh, why do you like this guy so much? But it, yeah, a weird one in general. But it's not fully like a sunk cost fallacy kind of argument. But like, you don't just keep running him out there and letting him cost you big moments because you're like, well, we gave up a lot to get him at one point. Like, we need to keep doing this. It's yeah, maybe getting to that point with Mitch White. Uh, that. Second game, just frustrating for so many levels. Um, the first game, oh, there's just so many opportunities to win the game and not even like, oh, runner on second and like you need a ball to the or like a hard hit ball to gap to score him or anything like that. It was like, no, you had guys on third base who you with no, no, who you just had to drive in. You had bases loaded, all this stuff, and they don't find a way to do it. Hitting with runners in scoring position just continues to plague this ball club. It drives me nuts. Yeah, it's like, what can you even say at this point? And it's it seems to be even worse at home than anywhere else. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't have them on hand, but Vladdy's got some absurd home and away splits this year. Like, it's nuts. I don't think he hasn't hit a home run yet at home. He is not at the newly renovated ballpark. Like, yes, that's kind of the new joke. Brought on the life. fence in. It's yeah. supposed to be easier. It's not like they raised the walls and made it harder to hit a ball. Like, yeah. It's easier to hit a home run now. And yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, I've, I've, I've seen the theory mentioned about Vladdy that it seems like he really wants to have big moments at home. And it seems like he's trying to maybe hit a home run when he could shorten it up. I don't know. It feels like we're hyper simplifying it. But so even much. then, like if you were going up there, a guy's talented as him trying to hit a home run, you would have one by your 117th at bat. You'd think, right? It's, <laughs> it's stunning that a guy with this much power and this much ability and even in a down season, like he's, he's still got an 18 or uh, an 800 OPS. He's still got nine dingers. And the fact that this just cannot happen at home is so confounding. It's so weird. And I, I really honestly don't know what the solution is. It's impossible to say because the offense will never like the way this team's built. The Jays offense won't be spectacular or even great if Vladdy's not great. Like they don't have Teoscar, They don't have Gurriel. They don't have Marcus Semien. Like it's not the same depth that it used to be. They need Vladdy in the middle of that thing to be what Vladdy's supposed to be. And especially at home this year, it just hasn't happened. Talk some splits on the road. Batting average 321. At home, 239. But that's huge. That's insane. That's a massive shift. Yeah. Uh, his OPS at home, 610. On the road, 966. All-star levels of production on the yeah. road. Uh, 134 at-bats on the road, nine dingers. 117 at home, no dingers. 134 at-bats on the road, struck out 21 times. He's taken 17 less at bats at home, but he struck out three more times and on the road. It's insane, man. And I think that number there, the fact he's striking out more despite having less plate appearances or sorry, more plate appearances. Maybe that's like a, he is just trying to swing too much. He's trying to do too much up there. There was even a moment I was driving back uh, from my trip on Sunday and I had, I got to listen to the whole Ben Wagner broadcast on uh, Sportsnet radio and Vladdy came up. Chapman, it was the inning after Chapman had made it a close game. 
and they made a comment on a pitch he swung at. And they were like, he was trying to hit the three-run home run with no one on base right there. And that maybe is part of it. It's mental for Vladdy. And if it is, like, I don't know what you do about that. I don't know what you do. And I've 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 kind of long had this uh this thought about Vladdy, and I've I've said it out loud a few times. He's he is the victim of expectations. I feel like no matter how good he is, it's gonna be hard to live up to what people imagined them for him when he was that number one prospect, yeah. when he was the 18 or 19 year old, just murdering the minors, just making pitchers five years older than him who had pitched in the NCAA, like talented pitchers with experience look bad. Yeah. And I mean, the expectations were for him to come up and, um, you know, be the best hitter of all time, be Miguel Cabrera, like be Albert Pujols. The, yeah. you know, I remember, um, I remember one time years ago, people were talking about, Oh yeah, the absolute floor for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is being Edwin Encarnacion. And you know he was a spectacular hitter, and the expectations were so high. And you know you you want to be the face of the franchise and come up with those huge moments, and it's hard to do that. You there's only so many times where you have the chance to do it, and it feels like he's pushing too hard to try to be the the hero that the team needs. And it would, it's so simple to say this from a distance, but if he yeah. could simplify and just be one of the guys in the lineup, I think things would be easier for him. But I don't know if it's ever going to be easy for Vladdy as a Blue Jay. I think the expectations were just so massive for him. But no matter where he goes, like it's not like he's the kid of a great Blue Jay. He's the kid of a Hall of Fame baseball player. He's the kid of a Hall of Fame baseball player who uh, left his Canadian team to really find his stride playing in Los Angeles. Nah, I don't. I'm, I'm, switching I'm, switching, I'm switching the topic. Don't even, don't even bring that up, man. Uh, we're seeing right now like Manoa unavailable, the depth of this team it, from an arms perspective. It's getting tested. And then we're seeing Brandon Belt might be hurt. Came up holding his hamstring, coming across home plate. Kevin Kiermeyer isn't starting right now. He's basically just pinch running. It's weird. But the depth of this team is really getting tested because of the injuries. And that we're making that kind of the final down year. It's just, I on it, I'm not, never the hot take guy. I was the guy last year who never wanted to do the whole Charlie Montoyo should be fired thing. But it is, it's an indictment on this front office that the depth of this organization is as poor as it is in what year four or five. No, we're no, like year seven of Atkins Shapiro. Yep. And the depth is that bad in the organization that one pitcher goes down and you're like, we're fucked. No one to come up. And you have a couple of guys in your starting lineup get hurt. And you're like, well, the depth was bad to begin with. It's seven, eight, nine in this order. It's about to get worse. Here come some guys that casual fans have never heard of. Like it's terrible, man. Yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about the pitching depth at length here. Like it's, it's, it's really quite stunning that in 2023 that there isn't a tangible sixth starter. And I mean, you can cut them a little bit of slack because they've been buying for a few years and you give up your prospects. Okay, sure. But I don't know, man. Like the Tampa Bay Rays have been competitive for for a long time and there's like a, there's a million different options they cycle through with guys to call up the Yankees have gone through their injuries they always seem to strike gold Brandon and I were talking about this last time Aaron Judge gets injured and Billy McKinney of all guys comes up and he's hitting home runs and it just seems like everybody else is able to find these guys and for the Jays we're sitting here being like Oh man, if Brandon Belt and Kevin Kiermeyer, two oft injured mid-30s guys get hurt we're fucked how are we going to replace them? Which guy in AAA is coming up? Like, there's literally nobody there. I mean, the 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 guy everybody's excited about, Spencer Horowitz, has numbers that are virtually identical to Kevin Biggio's in AAA. Like, that's what we're getting excited about. And uh, Otto Lopez, not yeah, really on there. Just, like, just, just, just there just ain't much there. And it's it's 
it's yeah, it's 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 weird. It's unfortunate. It's uh, not really what I think we expected from this front office as time's gone along. It was supposed to be when they got here, kind of the opposite, right? Yeah. They're going to build this great baseball machine here, especially on pitching, right? Yeah, like that was supposed to be their thing. It just hasn't been brutal. Anyways, yeah, that's it's. It just feels kind of funny to sit here and be like, "Oh man, Brandon Belt was holding his hamstring as he ran home." Like, <laughs> let's hope this thirty-six-year-old who or thirty-five-year-old who just had surgery in the off-season is able to stay healthy. Yeah, it was like entire- a gamble contract as well. Like, it wasn't like a sure thing. Like yeah. both these guys, it wasn't like okay, you got those two. Like they're going to be cornerstone pieces of your lineup, and then they get hurt. Not even like a. Th- IL stint or whatever they're like day to day and we're like boy how are they going to survive this oh no it's only June I know like we, we're not into the dog days of summer yet man like I don't know it's I don't want to be too negative but a uh, series like this really they use the least amount of starters of any team in the majors they're the only the only team to have oh no th- now they've done now six because of Richards yeah it had they were the only team left to have only had five <laughs> they're, lu- they're lucky it's not worse right now man like knock on wood but like if you have another starter go down Jesus yeah. Christ could you imagine if one of the big three goes down right now? You lose like a Bassett or a Barrios or like, God forbid, a Gosman. Oh man. The season would be over. Like you, they would, they don't have the ability to overcome another injury, which is just crazy. Yeah. Injuries are so luck based that like, I don't want people to do like, Oh, don't drink it. Don't talk about it. I don't give a shit. Like the depth of this team is such a major problem. And if, if it doesn't ruin their season, it is through nothing but luck. And that's why I think it's a big problem. And it's something that is a big, big ding on Ross Atkins. Yeah, it is. It's uh, yeah. They just haven't been able to find those depth guys. I don't and know. it's not even like they're coming out of a rebuild right now or anything like this is supposed to be world series prime years and the depth sucks. And it's not like you have one, two in a row or something like if the Astros who have great depth, they let Correa walk, they let Springer walk and oh look, it's Jeremy Pena and it's Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. All these guys come up and are like great, great players for them. It's not like they won a couple of times and you're like, well, you depleted the system because you won. You won shit. And yeah. your depth still sucks. I don't want to play off And they haven't really made like, I'll say like, yeah, they bought in three consecutive years, 2020, 21, 22. But the only really big acquisition they made was Barrios. And that was um, Martin and Woods Richardson going back to Minnesota. But the other trades like Robbie Ray, they got for nothing. Ross Stripling, they paid a decent amount to get. Taiwan Walker, they gave up nothing. Whit Merrifield, they gave up nothing. Mitch White, they paid an inexplicably high cost to get. Uh, some of the offseason trades, like they haven't, there, there aren't that many top prospects. A lot of their deals. big ads were through free agency. Yeah. Like they've, they've, they've done well with some free agent deals. Look at Gosman. Like how many teams have a free agent ad like that? And Springer, Ryu, all that. Need Green and Ryu to get healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're relying on. Is we need Hyunjin Ryu to come back at like damn near 40 years old, coming off his like third Tommy John surgery to come back and be like a quality starter. Uh, it's it's a weird thing to think about with the trade deadline. It's a month and a half away. And coming into the season, I probably would have thought, hey, you know what? Maybe the Jays get a huge bat to make the lineup mm-hmm. from great to elite, or they add another uh late inning bullpen arm like a Liam Hendricks or somebody to come in and save situations if Romano's not available or you just have a backup right now it's like you know they could use a starter they could use a big bat they could use help in the bullpen they need, they need help in all three areas and uh, you're I'm like a middle of the road farm system you're one top prospect um, Ricky Tiedemann's been injured most of the year oh yeah you're uh I don't look I'm, I'm I'm not really comfortable sitting here saying like oh yeah Ross Atkins will have a huge trade deadline this year like I don't know if I love the idea of them we're bitching about depth now. Well, how do you go and add at the trade deadline if you're already devoid of depth? 
you know, like, like this is a, this is yeah. a hard problem to solve. I think they kind of just have to roll with the group they have and hope some things sort themselves out internally. So uh, Nick Ashbourne over at sportsnet.ca wrote a piece about some starting pitchers the Jays could target to just try to get them through this sort of stretch here. Um, the first name he brought up was Ben Lively from the Cincinnati Reds, 31 year old, but he was, uh, he was a bit of a late bloomer because he still got like, he's pre arb still. So he's still, he's still under team control, which would bring up the cost a little bit. Uh, Joey Lucchesi, who at one point was a really, really big prospect. Um, he's a name that they mentioned. Chase Anderson, a former friend of ours, uh, oh, wow. with the Colorado Rockies, 35 years old. I don't know if I love that. Um, Paulo Espino from the Nationals eats innings. That's how Ashbourne described him. None of those are really sexy names, but none of them, I guess, should cost you that much with the exception of Lively, who again, cause he's got team control might be pretty valuable to some other organizations. Um, I think they need to go get tre- a second version of Trevor Richards, right? A guy who you need him for one inning. Good. He can maybe give you three if you need it, but maybe like, that's why Asino in Washington, I read minutes or innings eater. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'd sign me up for him, but it's tough to make trades right now. It's only the early June. Yeah, it is. Like, I don't think it's, it's hard to imagine them going out and grabbing a starter. And something we should also mention is like, we've, we've talked a million times about how much more competitive the American league is this year in regards to the playoffs, not being an automatic, like it was last year. Mm-hmm. And since there's more teams that are good, there's fewer teams selling more teams in the mix, buying those players that are selling. So if you're even like an Oakland A's or, you know, a Washington or a team like that, who sucks, who's obviously going to sell, you can sit there and wait. Yeah, you're, you're not in any rush. This year. Yeah, you're not in any rush. Like we, we, we could really use Ross Atkins. Like the um, to circle back to Simber, we talked about that trade uh, that they made in 2021. They sent Joe Panic and some random prospect. I think it was Andrew McInvale or something that he he wasn't even like a top 30 prospect yeah. at that time in the system. And they got themselves Simber. Like the, they need Atkins to go out and make a deal like that again. Like a yeah. very very clear win for a relief pitcher. Someone that can, but this time it's not like a late inning arm. It's just like we need somebody who can be there on the bullpen day throwing three innings, two innings. You talked about the competitiveness in the AL. Like last year, on I'm looking as of August 1st last year, the standings were, you know, Cleveland, Chicago were kind of in the mix. Baltimore, I guess, was still kind of making their push. Boston was. So the AL had about four teams in the bubble, but the NL, like very quickly from August one on, like fell off the face of the earth. San Fran, I think by August 10th was like eight out. This year, I don't think that's going to be the case. Like you said, I think we're going to be sitting there and looking at teams that are way, like a way more competitive thing. Who knows where Boston will be at? I think Seattle could keep themselves in the mix. The American League should still have a lot of competitive teams. And in the NL, like, San Fran, Philly, San Diego, Cincinnati, the Mets, all within three games of a wild card spot. So there are a lot of teams in the mix in the National League, too. So you're right. A lot of buyers this year. Look at like, let's count how many buyers there could be. Tampa should be a buyer. Baltimore should be a buyer. Texas, the Yankees, the Jays, the Astros, the Angels are five games above 500. You'd think they'd obviously want to go for it with Otani. Boston's 33 and 33. I don't know if I'd expect them to be a buyer. You look at these Central Division teams, Minnesota, Cleveland, and there's Seattle. They're under 500. That's like 10 teams right there. And in the National League, Atlanta, Arizona, Miami, the Dodgers, the Pirates are in the mix. The Brewers in the mix, the Giants are over 500. Philadelphia has high expectations. The Mets have high expectations. There's like 17 teams you can very easily make the case for that are Mm -hmm. like, you should be buying to try and make the playoffs. Last year, there was, you know, less than 10. 10. Yeah. Some of the teams that were in the playoffs last year, you're like, oh, yeah, you're here by default. Like, you're not even really a playoff team. (laughs) It's completely different this year. All right. Uh, We've been cruising for a bit here. So let's step aside and take a quick break. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, Coomzy, a uh, big series for the Jays. They're about to take on the Orioles out in Baltimore with a little midweek series. Thankfully for them, they do have the off day today on Monday. So a chance to rest up all these arms here. So you can have guys like Pearson and Romano ready for the start of this series against Baltimore. Cause it's a big one. They're right there in the standings. And speaking of the American league standings, let's bring in our producer, Brandon Douglas for the AL East report. Brandon filled in for me on the last episode. Apparently did great. Mildly concerning for my job security. Regardless, Brandon, uh, what do you got for the AL East report here? Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing for sure, Tyler. You're not in any uh, danger of losing your job yet. That is uh, lock, stock, and barrel. But the the Jays continue to kind of teeter on that precipice within division about losing some of that standing that they've built up for themselves. Um, starting at the top of the division, the Rays kind of a battle of the heavyweights over the weekend facing off against the Rangers. The Rays took two of three of them um, and they continue to maintain that chokehold, not only in division, but on the league, because even on the powerhouse Rangers, they are still up on them by a handful of games. Um, only good news for the Rays moving forward, too, because they've got a couple relief pitchers looking like they're on the brink of making their return to the lineup. Pete Fairbanks being the main name there. Um, other highlights out of this series being Shane McClanahan hitting being the first pitcher across the majors to hit 10 wins this uh, season that came in game three. And uh, going to be a bit of change of pace here for Tampa because after facing the top of division Rangers, they will now look to the bottom of the division and face the Oakland A's here out in Oakland. Uh, but don't hold your breath because Oakland's won five games in a row. So they might be really heating up here despite being the worst team in the American League. So, you know, never uh, never sell the athletics too short. 
and then elsewhere, the Orioles, they quite handily swept the Kansas City Royals, another team that is having a historically bad season. Nothing, nothing really too surprising there. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, obviously a big name in the Orioles lineup. He had a terrific series, eight for 13 with two home runs. And he's kind of really elevating himself to the point of being considered Probably one of, if not maybe the best hitter in that Orioles lineup right up there with Adley Rushman uh, and Cedric Mullins. Obviously, the Orioles are going to be uh, squaring off with Toronto here down in Baltimore this week. The only thing of note going into it might be that uh, Ryan Mountcastle, noted Blue Jays killer, he mm-hmm. uh, did sit out Sunday's game. It was just with an illness, so probably expect to see him back, especially with them having the off day along with Toronto today. But, you know, we can cross our fingers and hope that maybe he uh, might miss a game or two. And a real some, bad stomach flu. <laughs> give, give some relief to the Blue Jays here because, like we've said several times on here, he just loves to beat up uh, Jays pitchers. Um, and Baltimore still with five games uh, in hand over the Jays, uh, both in division and then in turn in the wild card race as well. And then the individual matchup that we saw over the weekend was the Yankees and the Red Sox, which going into it, a little bit of extra juice on the line because we didn't mention it last week, Cam, but um, Nestor Cortez had mentioned that he didn't really think that this rivalry had a lot to play for anymore because of the fact that, you know, the Yankees sitting up here, the Red Sox down here at the bottom of the division. But, uh, you know, argue whether or not that put some fire in the bellies of the Red Sox they did take two or three games, which we were kind of laughing about it on Friday, Cam, that as a Blue Jays fan, you'd love to see the Red Sox sweep the series. And But taking two or three, that's uh, exactly what the Jays needed with their um, misstep over the weekend. So they're still only a game back of New York after this fact. And the aforementioned Billy McKinney, uh, he made his fifth straight start on Sunday, a hit in every game, several of them coming with extra bases on too. So like you said, uh, Coomsey, just pick a guy and it seems like he can step into the lineup and fill a slot there for the, uh, for the Yankees. And they rested Volpe and Stanton on Sunday. Aaron Volpe, big time struggles at the plate. So no surprise there. They will kick off the subway series here, uh, today, two games at the Mets at City Field who are in a world of hurt one and eight over their last nine. So the, the Yankees probably licking their chops at that one. And then finally the Red Sox, they will, be at home for three games versus the Colorado Rockies, who had lost six straight before getting um, the win in their game three of three over San Diego over the weekend. So, you know, it, the, the upcoming schedule for Toronto isn't looking super easy by any stretch because of the fact, you know, the Orioles continue to be a really solid team. Uh, then when you head out to the AL West leaders in Texas, and then even further down the line, we'll see if Miami can keep up this hot streak. They've been on lately, one of the hottest in the National League. Um, it's a daunting road trip for Toronto, who uh, at the moment still sits half a game back of Houston for the wild final wild card spot and one game back of New York in division. So be curious to see, um, you know, how things shake out in the immediate future. I'll just flash these up on the screen here for us to take a peek at it overall. You know, the 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 Orioles are a team that it's kind of confusing how they've managed to sit up there in second for so long because unlike the other teams, they don't really streak. They just win two out of three, lose two out of three, win two out of three. And I mean, hey, it's it's working for them. So um the Orioles will be a, a tough test to say the least here for the Jays this week. Yeah, I'm just uh, looking at that as well. It, the standings don't look pretty right now. Ten and a half back of the division. But you look at the fact that the Jays seven wins in their last 10. The Yankees only have four in that stretch. The Astros only have four in that stretch. It's like, okay, in the last 10 games, you've gained three games on a couple of really important teams to gain from ground on. So again, you lost two to three to the Twins sucks. Still an overall, I think, really positive start to the month of June, especially when you consider the start of that Brewer series, which happened at the end of May. Um, you mentioned the Marlins, though. I want to talk about Luis Arez. Three, he's batting 397. 
This is no longer like a, oh, he's one month into the season and like just happens to be on a crazy heater. He's almost batting 400 in the middle of June. That is bananas. Yeah, 397, 91 hits in 61 games. Like what? What was that trade for Minnesota, man? They traded him for Pablo, Pablo Lopez. And Pablo Lopez, he's he's a good pitcher. Good he's pitcher, yeah. He's fine, but but look at him. He's um, you know, he's he's 3 and 3 through 13 starts with a 4.25 ERA. This is an interesting thing to look back on for um the Twins and it kind of relates to the Jays. Like you think you had a guy like Pablo Lopez because you didn't want to sign Jose Barrios to the contract extension. And they trade Jose Barrios for the two top prospects, neither of them have worked out and then they go and trade Luis Arias for Pablo Lopez, essentially to replace Barrios like yeah, this whole thing didn't really work out very well for them, and now yeah. Barrios looks good again. Yeah, big big win for Ross Atkins. Let's give him. Uh, sure. We, sure. we were shitting all over him so much, so we can look back at yeah, that one as a thumbs up now, I guess. Whereas this time last year, we were we we're all like that trade was the worst thing ever. Here's when got Pablo Lopez instead. Uh, all right, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, you bet, guys. Um, speaking, I'm just looking here at the batting average leaders. Huh? Look who's tenth, old Lourdes Gurriel. Where's Bo on that list? Uh, he's fourth. You think, uh, circle back to that conversation. Bo batting title, American League. Good. He's the guy right now. Yandy Diaz is 0.004 behind him. So four points back of him. So yeah, I think, I think Bo could definitely do it. Uh, keep tabs on that throughout the year. Uh, mm-hmm. you, speaking of Guriel, he was one of the all star voting leaders, isn't he? A couple yeah. of Jays, though, doing well. MLB did its first update of the all star ballot, and the Jays have three guys who are leading at their position. It's Vladdy at first base, who's ahead of Yandy Diaz, but I mean, this is a fan vote. So Yandy Diaz yeah. probably has been the best 1B, but Vladdy's the bigger name. Then you also. Merrifield's like third and second baseman voting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised if you look at one is that Kevin Kiermeyer is not really close at all. George Springer's, um, so they have, they have six names highlighted for the outfield and the next one that would be in the mix is Springer at seventh. Kiermeyer is not on that, which I, I thought was kind of surprising, but the three guys for the Jays, Vladdy, Bo, and Matt Chapman, the two former Jays, American League, uh, Marcus Semyon for Texas, of course, second base leading the way. And then one of the outfield spots in the National League is our old Paul Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Having a hell of a year. He deserves it. How many Jays do we think will wind up at the all-star game? Like I'd say just a four, those three Chapman, Bo, Vlad, and then Gosman and Gosman as well. I was, um, yeah, I had, I had some thought that Kevin Kiermaier get, might get some more love, but that's probably a big stretch. Uh, thinking about pitchers. Yeah. Maybe Gosman Rom- would be the one. Maybe Romano. Maybe Romano. He was there last year. Like there's so many replacements. If Nate Pearson is just electric yeah. for the next month. Yeah. Uh, um, how about Eric Swanson? Yeah, he's been good. Yeah, like it's relievers. It's so random with the relievers, right? Like, yeah. remember in the Jays in the past, they had like Steve Delabar and Brett Cecil there. <laughs> like, you, it's impossible yeah. to predict what relievers are going to wind up. But you can definitely make a case for Nate Pierce. Only been twenty two innings, but two point zero five ERA, ten point two strikeouts per nine. Pretty solid. Be good. Uh, let's talk about what's coming up next for this Blue Jays team. A three gamer in Baltimore against the Orioles. Bassett, Barrios, Kikuchi going for Toronto. Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, and Tyler Wells going for the Baltimore Orioles. So, uh, yeah, an interesting little run. Dean Kramer looks exactly like Kevin Gosman. It's very weird every time you take a look at a picture of him. Uh, I think the Jays already faced him once this year as well. Um, Again, you got to win this series. Like, come on, it's time to start getting some big moments here and, and stringing things together. You won the series against uh, the Brewers, then the Mets, then the Astros. Bit of a hiccup against the Twins. 
that's fine. You can get right back on track here against the Orioles. Yeah, we, we, we circle back to the conversation we had when they won two of the 10 games against or 11 games, whatever it was against the mm-hmm. Yankees, Orioles and Rays there in May. Since that happened, because it did, you have to have a big series against those teams later on yep. in the season if you want to catch them. Like the, the, the team that we're eyeing now, of course, is the Yankees because they're only a game up on the Jays. They don't look that great. And then Baltimore is five games up. Like if, if, if the Jays go ahead and lose this series or heaven forbid they get swept, catching the Orioles is goes from difficult to very, very, very difficult. So like this is, this is a big series. It's, it's amazing how many times by the middle of June, We've said this is a huge series. They have to come up with a win here. <laughs> uh, Dean Kramer did pitch against the Jays May 21st. I think that was the Apple TV game. Uh, seven strikeouts, five and a third, only allowed one earned run. So he pitched well against Toronto earlier this year. The other two have not appeared against the Blue Jays yet this season. So there you go. Big three gamer for the Jays taking on the Baltimore Orioles after dropping two or three to the Minnesota Twins. Shout out to Brandon Douglas, our excellent producer, as always. Coomzy, you enjoyed the ball this week. Best wishes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.